ice on the table is set. The ice is in the glasses. I think we're ready for our dinner table guests. Hi, friends. Welcome to the dinner table talk. And you seem to be just a little more excited about it than me this week. <laughs> yeah, I was really so excited to talk about what we had to talk about this week. We got it recorded early. We've even got it on the table edited, ready to go early. It's the wake of our Whole30 diet. We are introduced back into real life. Oh, yeah. In a huge weekend that I cannot wait to tell people about. Lots of stories. And you bring up your aversion, detestment of, what's the right word, about horror. Your judgment feels a little disrespectful. Oh, this is going to be a good dinner table (laughs) talk. Pull up a chair. Because as always, Joe and Aislinn have got a lot to talk about. My day starts out early every day, but this morning I got an earliest message that kicked my day off to having a badass, joy-filled day. a great way to start your day. What was the message? One of our dinner table guests was listening in and she said, I'm laughing my ass off at the bug story. Oh, I came up with a new line today that I wish I had thought of in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the truth. I walked into that room and it took a good five seconds for me to understand what I was seeing. (laughs) Right. I understand. (laughs) And then I thought to myself, I I, I guess we move. I I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know how we solve this. I guess we move. Then I leapt into action. (laughs) Well, then she followed it up with, and I want to eat a chocolate human as well. (laughs) We had to bleep that out. I wondered about that. You you took some liberty to like decide whether where our content was appropriate or not. I will let you in behind the scenes. I have to make these late night editing decisions. And I made a comment. You said, oh my God, you're disgusting. And then you made a disgusting comment. Well, I have to counterbalance it if there's any chance it's going to be left in the podcast. Sure. So I just bleeped it all out. Uh, I picked up Savannah at the airport today, Uh who had been gone for the weekend and played for her that bug part. That's good. That was a good idea. She didn't listen. Yeah, yeah, right. So she heard us bleep out an F word. Uh Uh-huh. And she goes, you bleep out the F words? Uh-huh. And I said, I can play you the segment from just like one or two weeks ago when we uh-huh. talked about what is offensive, who are the morality police, who gets to choose. Uh-huh. But we've always bleeped the F word. We don't bleep the S word. We don't bleep the D word. I said, we bleep the F word and we bleep the word turds. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Well, you just said it for the first time a couple of weeks ago and then I said it last week. She said, why is that the two words? I said, I don't know. I might do random words from time to time if we're going to bleep random words anyway. It's so I can just scream, fuck turds, into the microphone. I think we've invented a new profanity. (laughs) Okay. I love, though, that you got that text. I always love it when people write in. You know, everywhere I go, I'm hanging out, and then all of a sudden someone will say, well, yeah, I remember when you guys were talking about that on the podcast. And what they're telling me, basically, as this is occurring, is that they listen. They just don't listen all the time. Sure. That's how I am with podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting, though. And they're like, certain ones, oh, yeah, yeah, when you went to Hawaii, we listened to that one. You know, like, there's certain, like... And it got me thinking, a thing that we don't talk about enough is that you can go to our website, dinnertabletalks.com, and leave us a voice message. Yeah. And I can play that on the air. yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Then you could actually like have a clip of your voice while you're here with us at the dinner table, having the actual conversation. Okay. Since we were here at the dinner table, 
most of our time has been out of town for a weekend little getaway thing that we're going to talk about in a little while. Yeah. But when I got home, I had to go to the grocery store. Okay. So I talked last week about the three different places to buy cheese uh-huh. in our grocery store. We're right. The whole conversation and the... I am holding a pre-sliced Colby and Monterey Jack, the grocery store brand. Mm-hmm. And this is what we buy for my daughter's lunches. She packs a good old-fashioned sack lunch every day. And this is the cheese that she likes. That's why I buy it. Mm-hmm. This qualifies the mm-hmm. grocery store brand mm-hmm. as the fake cheese, you called it. That Well, it's not fake, but uh-huh. I mean fake enough. It's but this fake. is the Coors <laughs> Light enough. of cheese. There you go. And yes. this is not yes. something that you're interested in eating, and I already knew that. Well, we're trying, we're trying to elevate. Well, you said you wanted to elevate. And we're also testing dairy because, sure. you know. Okay, so our plans were derailed on what I was going to make for dinner tonight. Your mom ended up making a delicious caldo, and I can't wait to Famously dive in. Famously derailed. <laughs> what do you mean? No, that's good news. It's good well, news. Well, no, I was going to make tacos. Right. Savannah's back home. She loves tacos. Everyone loves tacos. Yeah. And I asked you, do you want tortillas? I'm talking about the wake of Whole30. Here we right, are in real right, life right, now. Right. Do you want tortillas, which means the gluten-free tortillas usually cost of a flour that I pick up at natural grocers? Right. And I said, no, uh, what I want is nachos. Okay. I, that's like my thing. I'd rather you get the Siete brand chips. Uh-huh. And then we make nachos out of it, which I want to try melted cheese on top. Okay, melted cheese. Because I want to test cheese. I would prefer to live a life where I can eat cheese. Melted cheese or shredded cheese if you're going to shred it and put it on a taco. Yeah. I said, okay, that means that the best cheese that they have is at the deli case. I don't mean in the deli case that they slice it, mm-hmm, like right. boar's head right. or... I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or oh, maybe our guests don't well, that, know what I'm Yeah, that about. section. I think they get it. I think they get it. You know, you but eat the olives and all that But next to that is the like fancy cheese right. display, mm-hmm. which is what I was talking about last week. That to me seems like the most artisan type cheese we have access to. Well, certainly at the grocery store. I mean, we've got stuff at the farmer's market, but that's not melting cheese. If we're looking for melting cheese, that's the thing. Grocery store. This was my first pass. It is artisan yellow cheddar cheese one year Mm -hmm. and then the white cheddar. Mm -hmm. It's $7.25 a pound. This block I'm holding, Mm -hmm. about $5. We're going on a cheese journey. Do you understand what I'm trying to do here? Well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, that sounds fun. I didn't realize this was H-E-B brand. This is our grocery store chain. I didn't uh-huh. realize that when I bought this. I didn't look very, very, I didn't look as close as I needed to. Why? Because that to me doesn't sound artisan. Why? Unless it's H-E-B, our grocery store stamping their name on a cheese that's made for well, them. Well, I think the most important thing isn't just the brand and the price. I think the most important thing is what is, what is it? How fresh is it? What all is in the processing of it? Where is it from? This is from H-E-B. I, <laughs> I think you missed the point, my love. <laughs> well, now with all that food and behind the scenes podcast conversation, one of the things you always do is you turn the dehydrator off. Right. There's a dehydrator about 10 feet behind you. That's for like the sound and the behind the scenes of the dinner table talk. I turn that off so we get a cleaner sound in the background. And as he was coming back over, I was like, oh yeah, I guess what I did today. I've dried my fresh habaneros that are coming off and I'm letting them go all the way red or as smoked as, you know, possible. And then I've got paprika. I've got a really good paprika pepper plant. Oh, you're growing a paprika pepper? I have a beautiful paprika plant. I've got one red one off and I dried it with the first habaneros. And so what I decided to do with it was I got the food chopper out, just ground them up completely. And then we'll use that for some red pepper whenever we're, you know... 
up in our game with our eggplant parmesan or okay so you made a red pepper before Mm -hmm. like the pepper flakes that you buy at the grocery store you see at the pizza parlor yep parlor and we use that all of the time. Mm-hmm. Does this go into that? I just put it in there to kind of freshen it up. Oh, you know? Okay. And probably the next couple of rounds I do, depending on what happens with this paprika plant, I might try to see if I can make us a little amount of just straight paprika. That'd be badass. Exactly. Paprika is my favorite, most used spice. Mm-hmm. That was my goal was to grow a plant so that I could see what I could do with drying it. And so we'll see. Now, the reason why I compared it to the pepper that you get at the pizza place yeah it'd be like that same thing but mine and then have the paprika in it too so that kind of just like enhances the flavor is to say that your peppers are 25 times hotter than the peppers at the pizza joint well that's because their stuff is kind of stale and not as fresh as my stuff is regardless i've made the mistake a few times because the recipes call for a teaspoon or whatever it is of the stuff that they know isn't that hot Mm -mm. i gotta dial your shit back baby (laughs) yeah mine's good mine's good i would like to also do some stuff where i take some of those peppers and make some salts with pepper in them like some of the ghost pepper Hawaiian salts that I've brought back and stuff like that. So The more salts, the better. We got to come up with a fantastic like organization system. Yeah. I've noticed in some cooking shows lately just how common it is for folks in their kitchen to have an open bowl. Some people call it a salt pig. It's a specific container that's open and you reach in with your clean hands. Of course, they're clean. You're preparing food and grab an amount of salt and put it into a dish. You introduced me to that concept. That is one that you should be doing in your kitchen if you're not doing it. Google salt pig or salt container for cooking. I bet by now most people probably do that. Certainly our listeners. No, I disagree. I'm holding their hand (laughs) and taking them down the path to be just like me. (laughs) Okay, well, take us on this wild reunion vacation to the beach. Let's go. Well, we talked in Whole30 plenty about how it would be ending on the Friday night of a big weekend reunion that I had planned with about seven other of my closest friends that I've known since first grade. Mm -hmm. And that went down. It did. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) There were two spouses or significant others. You were one of the two. I was. You met three people for the very first time. Yes, for the very first time. So how did you feel going into this big reunion with these friends I chat with online every day? You know, we're super tight. Um, I definitely had some anxiety about it. No doubt. And the anxiety stems from what? I I don't need to label it. I'm serious. (laughs) Like, why the f*** do I want to label it? And really what all of that was, was my anxiety about going into this weekend and Whole 30 being the thing that we roll off of into the weekend, because that's, that's definitely challenging. Yeah. Like anxiety of being someone that's walking in going, I'm sorry, I can't participate. It wasn't a group of people that were sitting around asking you or like making fun of you for making your own choices. There was none of that. Sure. It was interesting. I told Savannah that a group of 50 year olds and then yourself, much, much younger Mm -hmm. and a group of 25-ish year olds going to the weekend for a beach party, mm-hmm. beach reunion, beach time. Yeah, yeah. It was very different. 
I guess so. Yeah. There was a lot of food organization and a lot of always pitching in to help clean and making sure that we could get everything clean in the kitchen before we kind of move on to the next activity, <laughs> which by the way, what would you like for our next activity to be? <laughs> karaoke now? All right, guys, everyone cool with karaoke? All right, let's go with karaoke. I'm not making fun. <laughs> no. It was so pleasant. <laughs> it was so easy. It was so easy. <laughs> and I yeah. think it was like the guard down. It was a situation where everyone in that room has a busy social life mm-hmm. with relative strangers to that group uh-huh. and you got to go into those relationships sometimes some people maybe not yourself on guard not showing my whole full self keeping uh my interests maybe hidden because maybe they don't they think that that's weird but that was a room where guards were just down and that thing with friends where we really haven't seen each other some of you for five years and boom it all washes away and everything's kind of back to where it always was yeah. It was yeah. so comfortable. For me, I hope that you had the same kind of thing. Yeah, I had a great experience. I felt very welcomed and appreciated. And it was a fascinating weekend to watch a lot of different, very motivated personalities all come together. You know, adults, like you said, 50-year-old adults, all actively participating in, you know, group think. It was, it's, it's pretty amazing. There was a lot of like deep conversations, you know? So I think that maybe there was I, I thought some it was interesting. Desire. A lot of people pulled you off. Hey, oh, I oh, want to got... talk to you about something that I saw you post or. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I got pulled off several times in like follow up to something they found interesting about things I talk about. Like, I want to know more about that part of you. I think that that's another part of the anxiety of like group settings and things like that, that I'm feeling a little bit of and going to friends, wedding events, you know, all of these things. Number one, we pulled ourselves out and I've spent a lot of time in seclusion over the last few years. The other side of it is, is that the level of people that know stories about our lives has increased because of the work that we do, because of the content creation that we do and how public we are about it. And so I think that there's always a little bit of anxiety, especially as I transition through some of the newer conversations that I'm having in public spaces. So of course, people are going to corner me a little bit and ask me, you know, oh my gosh, I want to talk about religion with you. Oh my gosh, I want to talk about politics with you. And the conversation would often go, especially at mealtime. It was always safe though. I want to say that. Like it was always loving graceful and safe any of the conversations i find that conversations happen like this when we share food with people oh yeah oh yeah variably it goes back to the farm or your growing or the chickens or because the lifestyle that we live out here Mm -hmm. is different 100 percent different from everybody else yeah they're more urban and and i like to be impressed with good food and i like to impress people with good food well i can tell you and we run in circles of people where you show up to impress with food yeah i can tell you that ray (laughs) who cooked the fish on friday night yeah fancies himself and christine as whatever you call me home chefs that try Mm -hmm. hard yeah 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 take it on as a serious practice the ten thousand hours i mean y'all spent a lot of time talking about different types of food prepping not to mention sarah's breakfast sunday morning as well you know There was such a shared interest in good food that weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. Whole30 wise, mm-hmm. we were going to stick to it Friday night. Yep. And then on Saturday, I had a plan to be very measured mm-hmm. and probably in discussion with you a little bit about since we just went through that 30 days together. Yeah. I'm, are you going to eat the sick. corn? 
Yeah. Are you going to eat the corn? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I just didn't want to be sick, especially right. when I was out wanting to hang out with people. Sure. So it was good tiptoe in for yeah. sure. I do breakfast tacos Saturday morning. So let's talk about that real quick. I asked you, are you going to eat a tortilla? Are we going grain? Yeah. I was like, I don't need that. I don't need it either. I'll make tortillas for everybody else, but I'll skip that and just we'll kind of do the breakfast that we've been enjoying on the weekends normally. Yeah. Plenty of fruit. Mm-hmm. Tons of pico, all the stuff on there though. I mean, I like... But if the sides on Friday night don't comply with how we're eating, it was your suggestion, why don't you make a big thing of the eggplant parmesan that we've talked about the last few weeks? Yeah. I figured that would be an easy pleaser for that group, casserole, right. you know, but there it was would feed conf- me. <laughs> there was confusion about uh-huh. what we were going to do Saturday for food mm-hmm. in, in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I threw out, I'm going to make an eggplant parmesan. And that's when we were informed by our friend that has landed in Kansas City mm-hmm. and much talk about the barbecue differences because South Texas barbecue is hard to beat. Mm. He said, I've arranged to have barbecue shipped in <laughs> from Kansas City, which is fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, never mind. I'm texting. I won't bring the eggplant parmesan. And Sandra goes. I would have still made you bring it. Well, Sandra goes, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Wait a second. I okay. wanted some eggplant parmesan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll bring eggplant parmesan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you bought the, the bunch of eggplants from the farmers market, and then you got some of my eggplants. And this is season four. Seriously, you guys, it's so good. And in season four, I'm going to tell you about eggplant parmesan, even though I just told you about it a couple weeks ago. Y'all, it is worth it. Try it. Aislin, don't you believe that this is going to be a forever dish for us? If you've got eggplant coming out, Absolutely. a few ingredients, I can make this eggplant parmesan, yes. put my nut cheese all over it. I thought that'd get a laugh at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was distracted. <laughs> We're doing a podcast. Focus. <laughs> I mean, how many nut cheese jokes can you make in one season? That's a good point. <laughs> we should count. That'd be great. <laughs> we should get ourselves some medication Because I'm on a nut cheese journey, that, yeah. and so I'd like to try all the nut cheeses. Can I get plenty of nuts to cheese? You've cheese take, nuts. You've, you went too far, 30 seconds. <laughs> Three layers. Eggplant that you have sliced, put oil and salt on it, and roasted it in the oven. Did you see those beautiful eggplants still laying in there? I did. Let's make bob ganache with that. Your tomato sauce, which is tomato paste, chopped tomatoes, some balsamic vinegar, some of your new chili flakes, but I won't put this many in. It says, says so on the recipe. <laughs> or maybe I will. <laughs> Onion and garlic, right? You cook that for like 20 minutes. Basic. Basic. Easy. Basic. And then yeah. the nut cheese. Yeah. That's Ca- the Cashews that I have soaked in boiled water for mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Garlic. And almond milk in a blender. That's easy too. Layer of tomato sauce, mm-hmm. put your eggplant down, mm-hmm. layer of nut cheese, repeat, repeat, repeat. Mm-hmm. And it gets like creamy and crispy mm-hmm. on top even. It's so good, you guys. I'm telling you now. Get some good eggplants. Make this stuff. I have posted this already on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And that's where you should go find this recipe. It is delicious. And you know, all the recipes are in the show notes, no matter what platform you're listening on. I've been looking at some of that stuff, like over at Spotify. You've yeah. got all kinds of good links down there. Yeah. It's good to know that that's out there where... If you like a recipe, whatever you're listening in, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, go to the show notes. The mm-hmm. recipe, the link to it is there. Mm. Now, some don't let you link them. So you have to copy and paste it into your browser, but that's not me. Mm. So in addition to the eggplant parmesan, I also made a big thing of pico de gallo. Mm -hmm. This is literally just hand-chopped tomatoes, 
onions. Are you still using my onions? Yes. Mm. Use your onions for the eggplant parmesan as well. Mm. Tomatoes, onions. I just do it all by sight. I like the ratio that I like. I like this many onions to this many tomatoes. Mm -hmm. It's a heavier tomato thing. Mm -hmm. Tomatoes, onions, <laughs> finely chopped cilantro, a squirt or two of lemon juice, jalapeno or maybe half of a habanero. I bought some jalapenos at the farmer's market just for this pico. Yep. And then I used your cilantro salt. That is it. Mm. Hand, kind of throw my hands in there, mix it all up real good, taste it. Oh, a little more lime juice. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like this tomato onion ratio after all. I put a little bit more of this or that. So a big vat of that. Mm -hmm. And then a big thing of guacamole. Mm -hmm. Come on, guacamole. We should have guacamole in the house all the time. It's so easy to make. Mm. You mash up your avocado. I throw a big blob of the pico that I just made in there. Extra cilantro. A splash of oil. I use olive oil. A splash of oil. Oh, I bought avocado oil for Whole30 and I forgot. I should have used that. Mm-hmm. Salt, pepper, more lemon or lime juice. My cilantro salt, you could use that again. Hell yeah. Mm. So I took that. Yep. I yep. mean, we had so much food, mm -hmm. so much fruit, so many grapes. Who's People were eat cutting all this up fruit. fruit. I'm going to eat all this fruit. I, I, <laughs> I slice off a little bit of eggplant parmesan for you and I. Mm -hmm. We eat the fish. It was mm -hmm. fantastic. The fish was so good. And then the karaoke begins. Now, th this is your go-to karaoke song, right? What are you I've talking about? I've seen you. I've, I've no, heard you I do this before. Sing, I didn't sing my, my go-to karaoke What's your go-to? Hit me with your best shot. No, my go-to is Killing Me Softly. Of course. What did you sing? I sang Invincible. Oh, from The Legend of Billie Jean. Pat Benatar. Apropos. It was fun. Very I would have good. sang more, but I, we needed to go home. Yeah, we left. Mm -hmm. Don't drink. It's, right. It's day 30. I didn't have a drop, of course. Yeah. Now, it's Saturday. It's early. We head in because it's my time to make breakfast. Mm -hmm. We're not on Whole30 anymore, technically. I put honey in my tea in the morning before we left. I'm just saying. You missed your honey. I like honey. Well, you're all honeyed up. We get there. I walk to into the kitchen and I start, bang, chopping up the fruit that we brought, uh -huh. beating up my farm fresh eggs. Hell yeah, you're in my house now. <laughs> two, so do silly. two dozen eggs. Uh -huh. Start warming those tortillas up and putting them under the cup towel the way it should be done. Mm -hmm. I decided to go with chorizo. Mm -hmm. It was available yep. at the farmer's market and it's got a little South Texas flavor to it, right? Mm -hmm. These are breakfast tacos that I get to make. I wish you guys could see his hand. He is really giving it to you. <laughs> I took my cast iron skillet with me. Yes, you did. <laughs> I love that. Chorizo in the cast iron. Uh-huh. In goes a big blob of pico. Big, a big bunch of pico. I like these a la mexicana. When you come to South right. Texas, when you come to a Mexican food restaurant where they speak Spanish, you order your egg, Eggs with egg a taco a la mexicana. A la mexicana. A la mexicana for two reasons. Number one, the Mexican profile of the vegetables that they put in there, tomatoes, onions, and jalapeno, what you expect to see in a salsa or a pico. But also, those are the colors of the Mexican flag, a la mexicana. Oh, okay. The more you know. <laughs> and then I throw my eggs that I'd beaten into that once the sausage is cooked. The tortillas are hot. My yellow bird habanero sauce, mm -hmm. we need to make some hot. Mm -hmm. We need to make some sauce. Oh, I've got the peppers. I'm ready. Let's do it. I got to get some gloves. The pico is out. The guacamole is out. I also prepared some refried beans out of a can. 
It was great. I thought it was quickly Cut authentic. Cut up all the beautiful fruit. There was talk about uh, flour tortillas. Where are you getting your flour tortillas? I don't want those store-bought flour tortillas. Mm. Our local grocery has a... Make your own tortilla machine. <laughs> they make their own tortillas there. Yeah, yeah. And then you do need to heat them up. That sounded up. funny. A make your own tortilla machine. Mm-hmm. We should just go over and press out your own tortillas. <laughs> right. I would put it in my toy kitchen next to the Easy Bake Oven so I can... <laughs> But that was fun to cook for everybody, to cook my friends. And I, I wanted to do breakfast tacos because I yeah. wanted to give them a taste of Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi is the breakfast taco capital of the world, except that none of our city or county representatives will have the marketing genius and prowess to accept my idea that we label ourselves that immediately. I missed it. What are we labeling ourselves? <laughs> I'm just going to move on. <laughs> I'm serious. We go to the beach all day. And it was perfect. The it, water it, it was, was great. perfect. The water was great. I got into a great conversation with a couple of friends about knowing the beach by living here mm-hmm. and going to the beach. Mm-hmm. And how, yes, sometimes our beach is not the most attractive beach in the world. But sometimes, and this weekend, it was, it is. October is always a beautiful time to go to the beach. Mm-hmm. You should go to the beach in October, we for were sure. boogie boarding. Mm-hmm. After my whole 30 weight loss, I felt very comfortable with my shirt off. Mm, you looked very handsome. I was quite proud of you. Thank you. Good job. I sucked in for 48 <laughs> hours straight. You had to. You had me on your arm. That's the truth. <laughs> Took strolls on the beach with the dog by myself. So much. When... He loves the beach, you guys. I, I just, it was just such a great weekend. Yeah. Go in about three o'clock and heat up my eggplant parmesan for anybody want a snack. Yep. Several takers, several compliments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my buddy Nick, who had brought in the barbecue, mm-hmm. says, Joe, will you run point on my barbecue for me, please? <laughs> I can see him saying He that. was so stressed out. He <laughs> wanted this hilarious. barbecue to be so good. <laughs> and it was a kit that had been sent from a Kansas City barbecue joint. Uh-huh. A couple pounds of brisket in these pouches. It's mm-hmm. all fully kind of cooked and it's got the seasonings and the sauces that they want on it. All you do is drop it in boiling water for 20 minutes, I think, and then cut it open and it's ready to serve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Frozen buns that he had thawed that we we're going to put on the griddle. Mm-hmm. That was my job. Big slices of provolone cheese and some frozen onion rings. That provolone was tempting. I wanted it so bad. And <laughs> then barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. So it's bottom bun, sauce, brisket. Onion rings, provolone, sauce, bun. Mm, that's a lot. And I ate half of it. Mm-hmm. Again, this is day one off of Whole30. I'm deciding Making decisions, I'm going to yeah. eat the bread. Uh-huh. I'm going to eat the sugar and the sauce. Uh-huh. The meat's probably fine. I'm eating the dairy and the cheese. Uh-huh. I'm eating the breading on the onion ring. Uh-huh. I'm going to do that. How was it? Pretty damn good. But talk about your bliss point. Yeah. I mean, they were hitting all of it, sweet and sugar and salt and meat and savory and sweet. And mm. How did you feel this weekend? Didn't have a problem. None of it. Because you started drinking beer I on did. Saturday on morning. On Saturday morning, I... You had a breakfast beer and the girls thought that was hilarious yeah. that you were having a breakfast beer. Well, I'd been off of Whole30 for eight whole hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a joke. <laughs> Had I not been on this weekend and we had just been here at the farm, I wouldn't have probably drank. Right. A breakfast beer. <laughs> this was an occasion. Yeah. This was a special thing. Everything we talked about last week and everything that I had to drink was... Yeah, yeah. Justify, justify, whatever, whatever. Rolls Royce of beers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That had been collected for whenever this thing is over. I had a glass of wine with 
dinner. How'd that go for you? It was great. It was fine. Reintroducing yeah. that. The only thing that I noticed a little bit, um, the first night with the fish, homemade flan got made. Ray brought a homemade flan, and when he put that out onto the table... And then disgusted, and just, you sh- you could see his was, art, yeah. his food art I'm coming out. I'm telling you, these guys you know? tried to elevate it. Yeah. I said, I'm eating a bite of that tomorrow. Yep. He and said, I, I'm saving you yep. that. I ate a bite of it, yeah. and... After I ate a bite of that, and I hadn't really eaten anything else yet, I um, felt a little bit of like... You mentioned it. Yeah. So, it's maybe lactose, Did it ruin any of your time? No. No, 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 no. Nothing bad. And then I, you know, I took my digestion and just kind of... But the thing about it is, is that I'm, I'm looking for anything... The lightest little burning in my belly. Mm-hmm. I want to know all of it. I want to know all of it. You right. know, so I'm paying attention. And I was that. I was that way during Whole Thirty. I wanted to pay attention to any of it, any mm-hmm. little movement, any little difference in weight, yeah. difference in how I go to the bathroom. I wanted. I paid attention to everything. Like, so now that's how I'm doing this too. Right yeah. now, this new, the next thirty days will basically be me looking at my body as I reintroduce some things that I miss. And I'm not interested in reintroducing things I don't miss, but things like popcorn. Mm-hmm. You I had made popcorn. me make popcorn yeah. Sunday night when we got home. Yes. And you put nutritional yeast on it. It was fantastic. I said, let go of my arm. You're hurting me. <laughs> Twist it. Twist you bought it. some nutritional yeast mm-hmm. for which recipe? For the basil pesto that I made for Long Lunch Club. Right. So we had that in the pantry. Mm-hmm. That's you make the step, killer. You, you make the most killer kale chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I was eating them, when we were kind of first getting together, checking each other out, Let's she's gonna, she's gonna make me eat kale chips. I'll do anything for that. All right, let me try these things. Crispy, crunchy, mm-hmm. and covered in some kind of salty goodness. Mm-hmm. You told me that was nutritional yeast. Yep, I use olive oil, nutritional yeast on them. So on the popcorn, I melted a full stick of butter. No. Yeah. So I had butter too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So butter I get, and popcorn. And what I do, mm-hmm. these aren't amazing techniques, mm-hmm. but in case you haven't thought of it, we have a stack of different sized stainless steel bowls that you'd use at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Go to the restaurant supply store and go buy yourself two or three of every size they've got. Yeah. I get the two larger ones, same size, fill it full of popcorn that I've just freshly popped, pour the butter on top sprinkle whatever i'm going to put on it remember we did dill pickle salt before mm-hmm. whole 30 mm-hmm. that was fantastic mm-hmm. this time it was gonna be nutritional yeast then put another bowl on top of it now i've got almost like a sphere mm-hmm. pinch the sides shut and chugga, 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 you shake it shake it shake it shake it shake it shake it nice then i can deliver you a popcorn mm-hmm. with all sides coated in the deliciousness it was good butter seemed to be okay no introducing cheese because one of the things I've always said was that I thought for me dairy had to do with lactose. So like drinking milk, eating a bowl of cereal with milk, none of those things that I do anymore. Ice cream, yeah. ice cream makes my stomach. And you've all yeah, you've always complained. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see you with the cheese because I'm about to introduce cheese. Yeah, it's about to happen. <laughs> I could go on and on about the camaraderie and the fire pit and. All of it. I just suffices to say it was a weekend that I'd been anticipating for a long time, looking forward to for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it went off 
above and beyond my expectations. I love the beach so much, and I love the beach in October. I'm a coastal girl, for real. And I don't want to ever lose sight of the luxury that we have to see the kind of sunsets and sunrises and to have the kind of coastline that we have. It's complete and total ignorance of people that don't understand the luxuries that we have available to us and complain about living here. We live too close to the most amazing things that can exist on the planet to complain as much as we do. Sure. (laughs) You get stuck, I think, in your little bubble. Mm. And when a group like this comes together that... Good and respectful people is the most important thing. But might have some differences of opinion and aren't Mm -hmm. aren't afraid to launch them. Yeah. I had some follow-up conversations with a couple of people. Just interesting observations about, Mm. you know... I'm sure. (laughs) While we're here, let's take the opportunity to learn from one another. And if we don't agree on a thing, Mm -hmm. then that's okay. Totally okay. Speaking of things that we don't agree on necessarily, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say we don't agree on it. I would just say that it's an ongoing conversation in our house. Did you see that post that I made today? I did. What I said was I turned off horror a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And then I said, if it feels horrific to you, I'd suggest you turn it off. That's guidance speaking. That's what I think. But do what you want. Okay. So when you talk about us maybe disagreeing. Uh Uh-huh. You posted that 17 minutes after I had made a beer and a movie, the other podcast that I mm-hmm. use, post about a thing we do every year, All Horror October. Right. All episodes that release in October are about horror movies. And we traditionally post a horror movie that we've discussed in the past a day for 31 days of October. Right. So I had just posted about Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> you were like, oh, shit. Am I in trouble No, already? I knew I wasn't in trouble. <laughs> but you pre-timed me on that. But I thought to myself, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got a lot of traction, that post. Well, and but the there reason, was context. Yeah, exactly. The reason is because it's in the mainstream conversation right now. The idea of people making decisions about horror and inviting horror into their entertainment, inviting horror into their homes. There's actually a lot of conversation going on about that right now, but specifically related to the Dahmer series release. It's the number one show on Netflix right now. And I remember you had just said not too long before that it had a bigger release on Netflix than another huge release that they had with Squid Game. The Squid Game was the number one most streamed show in the first week of its release. Mm-hmm. And now this Dahmer series, Jeffrey Dahmer, serial killer, yeah, surpassed it. It's interesting. The the thing that I and thought And both was, of those things are horror shows. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a clear following for that kind of stuff. My thing is that I always talk about the sensory yeah. kind of vibrations. Well, I mean talking about going into an, a weekend and the anxiety, was it warranted? It doesn't matter whether it was warranted. It's how I feel. You know, it's the physical manifestation, the embodiment of the anxiety that I'm feeling. And I experienced that and have experienced it my whole life. And there was a lot of comments that were made on today's thing where people are like, yeah, I've done the same thing. Or some people like, I've kind of changed my mind about it as I've grown older. But I thought was one was really interesting. I think that this is exactly how I probably would have said it or felt about it in the past. But she said, I wish more people understood the impact it has on their vibration. Mm. 
And that's kind of the experience that I've explained to you about like all of my life. I, if someone trips in a movie and hits their knee on the ground, I can feel it. Horror movie or not. It doesn't matter if it's a horror movie. So the idea that I would watch like Saw, oh my God, there's no way I couldn't physically watch that. It would hurt me too badly. And then certain movies, like we've talked about, we've kind of gone back and forth about what's considered horror. Well, you like this, but you don't like that. And to me, it's about a vibration. It's about a feeling. So she said, I wish more people understood the impact it has on their vibration. That's just as a society or as a consciousness beginning to get a little bit more aware of how things make us feel. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that food make us feel? How does that movie make us feel? And talking about it openly. And so my response to her was, currently, a lot of people aren't as advanced in recognizing their sensitivities. So they're not feeling the same things that some of us have been feeling all of our lives. So we are the ones that lead them into understanding what they're feeling. And if they're feeling something to be aware of it first, to be an acceptance of it, like it exists, like, first of all, I'm aware of it. Second of all, horror exists. And then be willing to just let it go. Like it's not, it has nothing to do with me, but I'm not interested in participating in that anymore. Right. So I think that we're just encouraging people to take those next steps. So like when I say something like that out there, that you're allowed to say, let's as a community say, there's those of us that don't really care for that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that we have to like threaten like the population with some fear story because there was a fear story going around. It's like, oh, it's entering demons into your home. And I'm like, stop creating the another horror story. Just say, it's not for me. You do what you need to do. And that I'm going to tell you that as a sensitive personality, I have been feeling these vibrations that you are currently waking up to all of my life. And so I turned off horror a long time ago mm-hmm. and you and I have this conversation about it because you have, you don't have that same level of sensitivities or you haven't begun to be maybe as aware of it. I don't really know. Has that changed any for you? No. Have you? I enjoy films and I enjoy good films. And by good, I mean thought provoking, entertaining. I prefer that over salacious or gratuitous gore yeah but a movie like and it's not a horror movie kill bill that is violently cartoonish and hilarious mm-hmm. i don't mind yeah i don't even really like, like that. that that to me the shift there isn't about like the pain the body pain mm-hmm. it's about the um the anxiety that it creates in my central nervous system it like feel i feel anxious sure. when i watch movies like that see it seems to me that horror movies were created and they predate, say, the original Frankenstein or Dracula or the Wolfman. They predate that. But those are kind of considered by the general population early horror films. Frankenstein, the original. Mm-hmm. It's alive. Mm. Those were horrific images. The visual of Frankenstein was horrific to that population, to a portion of that population. Now we look back on it and it's, yeah, that's campy and fun. But the themes of Frankenstein, because we watched it on our very first All Horror October, the themes of Frankenstein are wonderful and fantastic. Through a phantasmical situation, we've brought a dead person to life. I could go on and on. You know what I'm saying? I could write a little college thesis about why those movies are good. Well, what's what's the difference between something that is very like childlike and fantastical mm-hmm. and someone that actually killed and ate people in real life, right. like actually did that? Because Frankenstein doesn't make me feel a knot in my stomach, but 
a graphic series about what Jeffrey Dahmer did to people does raise a sense of that in me. It's a curiosity to me, though. I will tell you that. I think 90 years from now, if you were 43 Mm -hmm. and Dahmer was a thing that you're looking back on, you'd say, oh, that's cute. Because we will evolve into requiring a different thing to push those buttons for us. I plan to not live in a world where I think about Jeffrey Dahmer at all in 90 years. Well, why can't that be today? It is. That's my point. (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's I want to get point. back to what you said, because I asked you, why did you post that? And it mm-hmm. was because of this Dahmer post that you sent me that was kind of being shared and shared and shared and shared. Yeah, it's just in the stream. In the stream, people are talking. And that's in the only post. I'd seen other ones. Right. But in the stream, this is a conversation about whether the community, or certainly a community around me, wants to participate in this type of entertainment. Two weeks ago, I scratched the surface of my Southern Baptist upbringing. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got off on a little tangent about the church that I went to, my grandfather's, for the three years that I was in middle school, was very demon-oriented, but not overt on Sunday morning, but kind of deeper into the thoughts and beliefs of people Mm -hmm. and the backward messages that are satanic messages put into records Mm -hmm. and how it was presented as being real and a danger and Satan can get inside. This is a crack in the door. This is cracking the door open for Satan to get a toehold in. And you and I talked about how why did you tell us how to do that? Now I'm just doing nothing but playing all my backward, my records backwards to make sure that I haven't missed one of these satanic messages. Yeah. I don't believe that there were satanic messages. I don't believe that that was uh, yeah. Satan opening, uh, getting a crack in the door toehold. I don't believe right. any of that. I'm not willing to believe in any of that. Stuff. So that and post I've never that really you been sent me, which was an it. example of some of the language about Dahmer, was yes. that. Right. Do not let this in your home. Right. This is a yeah. way for the demons to get in and the Holy Spirit. Told Here's the now, thing. I'm not mocking. Hold on. Let me just finish this. I'm not mocking that language. I grew up in that language. All that that post did, in my opinion, and the shareable and the shareable and the great intentions of the anti-demon crowd that were sharing it was get people curious about a movie or a show. Yeah, I think maybe to a not degree, you, Aislinn, but I think to agree that I think the to exponential a degre- act of social I think media. To a degree, you're right about that, but I think that Jeffrey Dahmer, this particular movie, already had the fame before the people were talking about. I it. don't know if, the, if if it's church crowds, and sometimes they're talking to their church bubbles. I don't know that to be true because these are people that would have been avoiding Netflix or that kind of content prior to the moment that their church mate told them not to watch a thing they had no intention of ever well, knowing what about. I'm trying what I'm also saying is is that there are a whole lot of people that aren't saying it that way that are saying the same thing now what is their point of view that it's an issue with sensitivities it's an issue with vibrations and the thing about it is is that what I believe I'm willing to believe in demons in that if you believe in demons you deal with demons I got you that makes sense I don't believe in demons. No, nor do I. So why would I be willing to believe in them at all? Sure. Like, there's no point in me. Now, that like, doesn't so, absolve so, the message uh, that this is content that might be sensitive for people. That's and my that's point. Where you're, yeah. And that and that was my point about saying, like, we can't just, like, I can't just go around going, you know, you could you could be allowing demons to come into your home. Because that's kind of what we're saying when we say, like, 
we wish you understood the vibration that you were welcoming into your life when you watch these kinds of things. And I do completely, totally, I, I feel, I've been feeling it my entire life. So I know how painful certain things are, but it's the Until... same exact, but it's the same exact thing that I feel pain is an illusion as someone else fears a demon is an illusion, as you're allowed to do whatever the heck you want to is an illusion. It's all an illusion. So for me, it's just what makes me feel good. Right. And I don't want to participate in that anymore. Right. And it's not my job to change your mind if that if you like it, but it's my job to let the community of people who might need someone else to like get like the one freak's dancing, so another freak goes I know, and dances. But I don't with understand them and, why that just doesn't begin and end with the last sentence of your post. You do what you want to do. It does for me. And then I want to have a conversation with you about it. And I also want you to stop taking me to movies that make me want to throw up. We, That's a big We've gone up and down the spectrum yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me once upon a time in the not too near past, let me do me. You're not my <laughs> censor or my guardian <laughs> about That's the true. movies that we watch. If I That's don't want to watch it, I will. So, so I'm just going to say, I'm going to say no more often unless you take me to like... <laughs> The amazing movie we went to the other day, Howl's Moving Castle. That was one of the ones you couldn't eat popcorn at. I ate a lot. I ate some <laughs> I'm other popcorn now, snacks. damn it. Yeah, Savannah wanted us to go see Howl's Moving Castle. It's an animated film from a noted Japanese animator. And some demon breach and fear factor people would probably say that movie was like a demon-filled yeah, movie. Yeah, all kinds of but fantasy But I elements. feel vibration in that movie that feels like love and joy well, and interesting a, multiverse conversations. As and, I said two weeks ago and as I said five minutes ago, the moment you, sir, tell me that this thing is going to show me demons... You have made me aware of something that I might be interested in that I wouldn't be interested in before. So that's not even the argument for me. I'm done. That's an old conversation, though, right? That's a childish conversation. You don't do something because someone says you should. No, I'm just saying you're making you? me aware because of because if thing. someone tells me they something makes them feel like it has demons in it, mm -hmm. I, I'm not interested in watching it because I, I don't want to feel something that makes someone else feel demonish. I think that all depends, and I don't want to get on a rabbit hole here. I think that all depends on the person that told it to you. There might be someone in your life that you understand their sensibilities to say that the bad thing for them might exactly be the good thing for you. Hmm. Not maybe not in the case of a serial killer show. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But I, other I, things. I, no, no, no. Yeah, of course you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because we've talked about that in, in movie cases yeah. in the past. It, it, I don't it, go to farmers markets. Goes, Those places are bad. It, it goes back to morality policing. I don't have the right to morality police anyone about anything. Yeah, that's the truth, and I believe that. The notion of good vibrations and bad vibrations and horror movies putting this into one's life exists. For the person that says that it does. But for whatever reason, I do not have any of the anxiety that you feel about the things that you just talked about, having anxiety about, mm. or the sensory, tactile reaction that your body has when someone falls and trips and hurts themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't share that with you. I love horror movies for as long as I can remember. And to my knowledge, if they affect people negatively, I just don't prescribe that to the way I feel with it. Now, there might be some that are a little stomach. Jaws. 
watching a shark bite people and eat people and a foot floating and terror and fear is such a good movie. How far do you let, I mean, because we talk about freedom, Silence freedom, of the Lambs how far is do you such let a good movie. horror go before you go, oh, whoa, 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 that's too much. Uh, I have never watched and never care to watch The Human Centipede. Okay. Uh, that's no, a, I that mean is like a, I mean like a question. real like because I mean I think that people are less affected by fake monster type creature things than they are about humans doing things to other humans. The real fear of Jaws is the mayor that didn't stop the proceedings and let those people die. Humans doing it to humans, Aislinn. <laughs> Dead eyes. Like a doll's eyes. Such a good movie, Ace, and such a good movie. Now, Jaws is an example that I can see you poking holes into. What about the mass murder killer ones where I'm zooming in on saws going into flesh and people screaming in agony as they're tortured to death? But I'm not the horror fan that is looking forward to those scenes to see What's... just how gruesome and graphic and accurate they got it. That's, that is not my jam, which, as I understand it, is a, a big complaint of Dahmer. It's very, very graphic. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, um, it hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we move forward staying close to this conversation, but also me not alerting you to every bit of horror thing that I'm up to or, or, or offering to take you to this or that kind of movie. Now, our anniversary is coming up. Mm -hmm. And by anniversary, I mean the date that the last time I didn't do anything for it, you got really, really upset about <laughs> and said, this is our anniversary. I just picked a random date and said, this is our anniversary. No, you fuck it up again. The date makes sense. <laughs> but there's other dates too. And I'm glad that we just kind of honed in on one. I would like to take you... I'm looking at my calendar right now so I can even know what date that is in my life. Near that date uh -huh, uh -huh. is an Alamo Draft House screening uh -huh. of Sweeney Todd. Oh. The Demon Barber. I love that movie. Of Fleet Street, where he kills people yeah. and turns them into meat pies mm -mm. for what's her name? But he sings about it. To it's sell. All about love. And you see him slash throats. No. And you see, I'm going to take you to that for our, as part of our anniversary weekend. That'd be fun. It's all about the vibration, dude. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what you were saying about the anxiety that you felt. It was probably unwarranted. Going into the weekend that we had. You're not allowed to say my anxiety is unwarranted. You're not allowed to call my... That was a nor joke. Nor am I allowed to call you a perverted freak for wanting to watch Saw. Saw is not one of my favorites. <laughs> or anything like that. So Barbarian came out a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. We did it on the show. What's that about? Like the old school Barbarian? No, you're thinking of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> I love those movies. I uh, saw all three of them. On Beer and a Movie, we do a new release typically, and then we pair it with something that matches the director maybe, or the same actor is in a different thing. Or in this case, I really suggested that with Barbarian, the 2022 horror release, we do Conan the Barbarian. That has nothing to do with it except for the word barbarian. Right. <laughs> and that did not work. No, no. <laughs> but but it made you asked me laugh. what it's about. <laughs> Do you, are you really curious? Because it was great. It was the best horror movie I've seen in a year. I, 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 tell our audience what it's about. I know that there's listeners listening right now because of this segment. So tell them about Barbarian. A girl shows up at her Airbnb in a bad neighborhood, raining. The door doesn't work. Someone's inside the house. Mm. Pennywise the clown from the It movies, the actor that plays him, who's mm -hmm. not playing any kind of Pennywise here, opens the door. 
the Airbnb's been double booked. So you've already made me sick to my stomach. Because well, I said Pennywise or because, no, because the Airbnb? Because Airbnb. an Airbnb being double booked? Yeah. You've made me sick because of Airbnb. What, like, what are you talking about? I don't, need to, I don't need to watch horrific things that occur in places where I might be a space. If I have an image of something fearful in a specific type of scenario, I will manifest it for myself. I don't want to do that. But I will tell you that this movie reminded me of the Airbnb that you and your mom and I went to in Waterville, Maine. Sh- uh, shut up. Why? Because you're going to scare just telling me an out anecdote. Of, now you're going to scare me out of Airbnbs. I'm just kidding. Can it carry on? This was a very interesting Airbnb. It wasn't the worst Airbnb no. that we ever stayed in. No. That was the most recent one we that stayed in. That is the truth. There was a poster of a movie I'd never seen. I've seen it since called House of the Devil. Mm-hmm. And the entryway of the Airbnb, but with but a very obscure movie, and there was no context to it. So we literally walked into what the owner wanted us to believe when some semblance was the house of the devil. <laughs> and then the water <laughs> and the electricity were having problems. And in order to fix them, I had to go down into a basement. <laughs> that looked like they had captured that somebody. That straight out of Barbarian. <laughs> and then go upstairs and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It had it a was really a little nice unsettling. deck, though. <laughs> it, had a, it had a great deck. And Waterville, Maine's a fantastic city. That On you top visit. of the fact that you're in Stephen King's stomping grounds right. up there. Yeah. I believe we've come to a bit of a compromise on horror. I don't suggest yeah. things. And yeah. I don't advertise, like, if we're going to do what the all horror stuff is. I think I told you what we were doing. A lot of it is kitschy and fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to ask you to go to any of the movies with me. We are doing The Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1953, the classic. That's interesting. That might be a fun watch. That's interesting. Yeah. So beer and a movie, Mm -hmm. if someone wanted to go check out your other podcast. Do you want them to? We'll be talking about horror for the next 31 days. Do what you want. If people haven't figured that out about me, that doesn't mean I'm not going to give you my, my visions and my stories and my explanations for what is going on in the world. But at the end of the day, Aislinn's motto is always DWW, do what you want. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, search Beer in a Movie, look for the black and white logo, that's us. But I believe that we have come to a compromise. I fully respect your opinion. That's why I try not to invade any of your space with, if I'm doing, watching, enjoying, something like that. I wonder, even in your do what you want attitude, which I get. Do I think it's elevated thought? No, probably not. Except for the ones that you do. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that's even getting fewer and farther between because as my well, thought elevates... exposing yourself to As it to my vibration with. elevates, uh, my desire to connect with alcohol decreases. I mean, like different types of things mm-hmm. decrease. So... Maybe there is a level that feels to you like some sort of a judgment on it. It's, yeah, ju- it's that's, just that's where I was going. Yeah, I don't, I don't judge you, but I hide it away. Acceptance it, it is, is do what you want. Yeah, acceptance is. is do what you want. Do you feel that I feel I'm above you? I do not feel that I'm above you. I feel I have an elevated vibration that makes me sensitive to things that you're not sensitive to. But if I had such an elevated vibration, or if anybody had an elevated vibration, they would have this same thought pattern about this topic? Does it come automatically with elevated vibration that you're going to give up horror movie or alcohol or whatever it is? I think the the higher your light consciousness is, the less you are interested. That just doesn't... There's nothing about that that feels good to you. 
and I'm not trying to play devil's advocate too hard here, but why does popcorn get to be so desired? Or it cheese? Doesn't. It doesn't. It's all the same. It is all the same. It's just a matter of like, what are the ones that are really giving you sensitivities that are the ones that are the first ones to be let go of? Is you know, one's... maybe there, there's an element of this. It could be that like the fact that you're not affected by it at all is more like Eckhart Tolle. Like he, it's like he, the total acceptance of it's just nothing real. That's just nothing real. You understand the illusion of it so much that it doesn't affect you. That's higher elevation. That's higher consciousness as well. So I could be completely misreading and that's my own judgment and criticism of things. I think that the general population doesn't ha- like they feel shit and they just keep going to watch shit that makes them feel bad. In terms of people that watch horror, I think most people that watch horror, it makes them feel bad and they go to feel bad. They go to be like energetically awoken with the fear. See, sense. that's not what I'm getting at all. What do you mean? I don't, I'm not feeling bad or I certainly don't have a desire to feel bad. To me, it is entertaining. I think that you would find that certain things change in entertainment when you have different thoughts about how the world works. I'm trying to think how of, life, I'm trying to think of a movie works. that might be a good example of this. It isn't a horror movie. I just movie. don't want to spend my energy like, on that. That's the way I feel about it. Like okay. To me, it's an investment of energy, and I don't want to align with energy that, that is that anymore. But maybe you've accepted it that I still have triggers inside of me about it means I have more to let go. Maybe you actually don't trigger about those types of things. And so to you, it's like somebody threatening a demon. Is I don't think demons are going to come and get me. I don't think people steal things from me. I'm not afraid of a lot of things. I just don't even think about them, you know, at all. I don't have a big interest in this Dahmer miniseries. Thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think that I'll watch it. I think I watched one episode of Squid Game. Yeah. And you know yeah, why I did? Was... Because it was Korean. Yeah. And I've seen some great Korean horror movies. Including one that you and I love, Parasite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I You're wonder right. if you watch Parasite now, two, no, three, I still four think years. I, like, I still think that I felt an elevated... Because the thing about it is, and we have talked about this exact same thing before, because I have said these words before, and that is, death isn't the problem. Yes, I feel, physically feel things when they're occurring. So if someone's getting sawed, I don't want to watch that at all anyways. That's a whole different thing. But... As it relates to just people dying, I don't, people die a lot. That's that's what life is. So that's not a thing to me, people dying. So there's a sense of elevated thought about life and death and stories and things like that. I think that that's an important part of the vibration that I'm talking about. It's just, it's not just about death. It's about what did the creator of that film well, what were they trying to do? What were they trying to create in you? Were they trying to create in you a sense of anxiety? That's what they're selling you. Many of them certainly exactly. Are. They're selling you anxiety. The, don't 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 the, sell me anxiety. The slow walk down the hall. What might be behind the door? The build up to a maybe a jump scare where a cat jumps out and it's nothing traumatic, but you literally jolt in your seat because you've had this anxious experience that was created for you to have. That's so much fun. That's like a roller coaster ride. No, no I, I don't. Like, chick, 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 going up that chain. Chick, 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 chick. It's coming. It's coming. To me, it's that's coming, like coming, filling the hole with alcohol, dip. or filling the hole with heroin, or filling the hole. Like to me, it's like I don't want to fill my hole, my my the void. I want to figure out how to fill the void with something that feels joyful, not fearful. 
I don't need any more fear. And someone else wrote in the conversation I thought was really interesting as it specifically relates to what we're talking about right this moment. Mm -hmm. She writes, been contemplating on this. It's a crazy kind of hypnotic trance mechanism. For me, after I saw Aliens originally, I was done. Not because it scared me, but it bored me due to the lack of depth. It's easy to keep an audience entranced in stress. It created limited sense of self for me. It bored me. In my ancestral research, horrific acts were not on the screen, but quite commonplace. They were occurring in real life, often for entertainment and in your face mortality. Sure. So like they were doing it to entertain people. They were like right. killing and hurting people Gladiator to entertain people. Gladiator games is an example. I have an idea that this part of our ancestral DNA is still active and fueled by modern expression, still working itself out. You can see it as more realize a deeper construct of life at play and thus are no longer drawn to the brutality play. That's it. Like, I'm not drawn to war movies anymore. I'm not drawn to things. I'm not, I'm not drawn to these types of things anymore because I'm ready to let that go in our history. I'm ready to let that kind of human treatment of one another but how do you put that side by side with watching the lord of the rings series where there is war what do you mean that's fantasy i I didn't watch that either honestly if it if it gets to it to where it's too much i'm just like you know Mm -hmm. and you can name a thousand different types of things where i'm going to go back into temptation i'm going to go back into things that is it temptation like is it like just you it's, say, you say yeah, temptation, I think sin. Egoic. I know that you're not exactly saying no, that. No, there's only one sin. You believe, if I understand it, that in the middle of do what you want to do, there is a elevated better thing to be doing. Not better. It's not better. It's just the choice that feels good to me. But you talk about consciousness and elevation, and these are things that I imagine all people would aspire to. Lightness is going to lift above brutality. We're separating from brutality. We're separating from brutality. But I just wonder how far we take that. Like we in, take into, it until we're completely separate from brutality. So a Tom and Jerry cartoon someday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You let go of brutality. We're not teaching our children brutality anymore. Well, that makes sense. It's not good, like a Three Stooges thing to poke someone in the eyes. Right. But why? Because they might not know to put their hand up to the eyes to stop the other guy from poking them in. You you started off with the horrific of Frankenstein and just said it, it evolved or devolved into what it is today. Well, maybe there's a group of people that are like, we'd like to have more miracles, more joy, and less brutality. And so we're going to spend our time paying attention to that. Yeah. And I think that the two things certainly can coexist. I I, I don't think they can coexist. I think that they could coexist. I think they're moving further and further apart. I think that's what gets fearful to people because it feels like disrespect. Like we don't respect, but it's it's not even about that. It's just... We're past that. We're over it. We're done with it. And there's a group of people that are saying that. And it doesn't have to be about demons. It doesn't have to be about anything. It has to be about that doesn't matter. That doesn't align with the vibrations. We know what it feels like to have that sense of pain. We're ready to let that shit go. But But the first way to let it go is to accept it. So we're in a state of acceptance right now. We're in a state of just being able to say, do what you want. Do what you want. Me judging you is an illusion just as much as the brutality is an illusion, just as much as choosing peace over brutality is an illusion. That's all. It's all an illusion. We're just moving towards light consciousness and light consciousness leaves brutality behind. It doesn't even exist. It's an illusion. It doesn't even exist. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. 
Okay, here's a random and interesting question. Mm-hmm. Shoot. If animals could talk, which would be the most boring? <laughs> <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> if animals could talk, like Dr. Doolittle style. Yeah, it would be the most boring. You know who's boring? Mr. Snuffleupagus. How's that boring? So I'm thinking even real. tone. I know, but in that world, tone and whiny. And so what animal's going to do that? I'm stumped. I'm trying to, I, 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 <laughs> koala bears probably, like sloths. But no, they can sit there and ruminate and philosophize while they are going slow. But they're, they're, you're talking to them. You're talking to them. So you think a sloth, a sloth wouldn't be boring? You think a sloth would have really interesting things No, I'm say. saying that everything has potential. And mm. to generalize over an entire species of animal as being the boring one <laughs> is a little bit classist in the animal <laughs> kingdom if you really want to get down to now it. Now you're just making up words because you can't think of something I don't funny. Think something that funny one, I think that you're going to find a funny hyena and a boring hyena. I think you're going to find a funny goldfish and a boring goldfish. The same way we find boring humans and exciting humans. I've seen some pretty boring insects before. I've seen some beetles that were just like, you look like your brother and your other brother, Tim. <laughs> so, What, like a roly-poly? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of boring. If they could talk, what would they say? Oh, I rolled over here today. Can I tickle your arm? <laughs> I don't have anything Get that more magnifying glass say. away from me. Because a fire ant's going to be more exciting than a roly-poly. Fire ants are going to be like manic. <laughs> yeah. And then a wasp and a bee. Bees are very anxious. They're so busy. That's how I think about it, like insects. And then you got the big dopey butterflies. You know, they're just kind of doping along. But none of that translates into automatically boring. No, not boring. I don't like the adjective that they I don't pick. think animals are boring at all. Even the most boring animal I find interesting. I actually think that we created the most boring animal that could talk when humans were created. Animals without the ability to speak have got jobs to do. Us with our flapping mouths, we're just, we're the most boring species. Yeah, because we invented boring. We invented the illusion of boring. So the only talking animal that's boring is us. I win. <laughs> I think we've invented a new profanity. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>